Hey everyone, welcome to Rock Bridge. My name is Zach. If I don't know you, it's so nice to meet you wherever you're joining from a different campus or online. It is just an honor to be here with you today. I'm on our student ministry team, which means I'm usually connecting with middle school and high school students on a weekly basis. And so I love doing that. I love being a part of teenagers' lives. I love being part of families' lives. And it is an honor to be here with you. And knowing that some of you don't necessarily know a lot about me, I want to show you a couple of pictures here. This is my awesome, incredible, wonderful dog named River. He is amazing. And this is my wife too. Her name is Maggie. This is my family. Uh, We love our little pup River. Me and Maggie, you'll catch us hiking. This is our favorite place in the world. Colorado, you will catch us outside on the mountains. We just love being outdoors. That's where you will find us pretty much throughout the weekend. And again, I'm here to start this brand new series with us called Dangerous Prayers. Now, that's an interesting name, right? That's a different way that maybe some of us talk about prayer in our lives. And so I'm excited to talk about it. And we'll unpack what we mean by that a little bit more. But when we think of prayer, here's a couple things that just came to my mind that I can't always necessarily explain, but I just know are true. Things happen when we pray. And I'm a product of that. I remember in 2009, as a 20-year-old college student, smoking weed every day, doing drugs all the time, no purpose, no focus in my life. And, and all of a sudden, one of my cousins like, had a conversation with me about Jesus. Now, little did I know, for six months before that, he had gotten saved and was praying for me. And then things in my life, like things that made me happy, didn't make me happy. And things that like worked for joy and fulfillment weren't working anymore. And I was like, what was happening? He's like, hey, man, I just want you to know my small group's been praying for you. I was like, that's what was happening. And sometimes it's ex- explainable. Sometimes when we pray, things happen that we don't expect. Listen, I did not expect, if you'd have told me 11 years ago, I'd be doing what I was doing with teenagers. While I was rebelling in my life, I'd have been like, you're crazy that I'd be standing on a stage when I was a 20-something college student lost. When is Jesus really the way? Can there only be one truth? Like, can there only be one God asking all of those questions? Maybe like some of you are asking here in this room. Uh, I did not expect things to happen the way that they did, but I sure am grateful for the grace that came through prayer. Now, I know that some of us will hear that, And that's challenging. And I get that. It's challenging for me, too. I don't always understand the power of prayer. And I've talked about prayer in kind of a powerful, impactful way. But for some of us, it's not necessarily, we don't view it as like that powerful, impactful. Maybe we view it as more like a drop box. Right, so you think of a drop box, this is something that, that makes life easier, better, faster, quicker. There's a drop box at the post office, and it is incredible. All you got to do is drive by, drop a package in it, drop a letter in it, and you're gone. For some of us, we, maybe we have that type of view of prayer where it's like, man, I've got this one thing going on in my life. And so here's the prayer, and it's like a drop box. We come in before we eat, pray for this, and we go on living the rest of our lives. And and, and we're not sure really how much prayer is necessarily connected 
to our entire life. Or, or we go through a situation and it's like, all right, these specific, I, I would love to have this in my job. I would love to have this happen in my family. I would love to have this happen. But then we kind of leave that to the side and we go on and live our lives like we were. Wondering, something about this just feels disconnected. This whole idea of prayer, I, I hear people talking about it in church. I read about it. But something about it, it feels rushed. It's so fast-paced. It just feels like the rest of my life. A to-do list that I'm trying to get through, that I'm trying to work through. It just doesn't feel personal. It doesn't necessarily always feel powerful. And we leave ourselves in situations kind of throwing in prayers, not knowing exactly what is going to happen with them, going, God, what really do you want? Because I feel like I'm, I'm, I hope I'm saying the right things. I hope I'm doing the right things, but... Prayer is still just a little bit of a mystery, not a big part of our lives. We would say maybe not even impactful. Kind of this whole view of prayer feels rushed, fast, and unpersonal. Like impersonal, it doesn't feel relational. For some of us right now, we walked in the room and we're watching online and, and we would say this, God, do something about this. Like we have a this, right? We all have a this. Why did this happen? Why am I going through this? What am I supposed to do about this, right? And we're asking for that direction. So we write it down, we put it in our box, and we kind of walk away going, I think we did it, right? For some of us, it's uh, God is do something about them. Now, don't raise your hands. Who walked in with a them right now? God, if you would just do something about them, if you would just do something in them, if only they and our, and our prayers are so focused and, and in a sense almost tunnel visioned and so just kind of uncontrolled. And we're just like, oh, just do something about this. God, do something about them. And then we kind of walk away from it and do life like we were doing it, like normal. So let's unpack this kind of whole idea of a, a, a Dropbox view of prayer together a little bit. So, a couple of things. When we have a Dropbox view of prayer, prayer becomes about fixing our this and our them. Hey, we need to get a package somewhere. We go to the post office, boom, fixed. This is going on in my life. I'm having to deal with them. All right, God, what do I do about this? What do I do about them? All right, I hope it's fixed. But that becomes the focus of our prayers, right? Let's take it another step. When, when prayer becomes about fixing our this and them, which we all have today, prayer becomes about what we want. Kind of becomes hyper-focused. And, and, and when I find this happening in my life with prayer and it becomes something fast-paced, not real personal, very like hyper-focused on specific thises and thems and things. It's like, man, Lord, I just want this to happen. If, if, if only you would do this, that, that's what would make me. So, like there's a lot of me's in that, those prayers. There's a lot of I's, Lord, in those prayers. And it's like I get this tunnel vision. And that's when I start to question it a little bit more. And when prayer becomes about what we want, we may be missing what God wants. The question we all have tonight about our this or our them, his will in our situation. And I've just, I felt that. 
I'm so focused and, and so I have such tunnel vision and I just want this to change and them to change that it's like I get so caught up in it. I feel like I'm, I just don't understand how God works in those moments. I feel like I'm just lost. I feel like it's harder to make decisions. I feel less confident about my ability to kind of understand what God wants for me in those moments. That's just how I feel sometimes when I'm thinking about prayer and, and praying God's will. So here's a question as we wrestle with this together. What if the way we are approaching praying for God's will is causing us to miss God's will? What if it's our approach? What if this approach, there's just something about this that, that makes prayer about something that it's not really designed as much to be about and causes us to miss pray, a, a more powerful, personal part of prayer that God wants us to see? And that's what we want to talk about uh, together uh, today, wherever you're watching from, and, and we're going to continue to talk about prayer in this series because we want to unpack this together. And so as we continue, we're going to jump into the Bible. I love the Bible. I went from some kid who hated the Bible. I love the Bible. God's words written so that I could know his will. Come on. This is incredible. And I love the Bible because in the Bible, people, people like you and me who have these questions write to each other about these things. And what's so cool about tonight is we're going to look at a scripture written by a man named Paul, an early church leader to a church. And he addresses this very topic. God's will, maybe how we're approaching prayer in God's will and maybe how we're approaching God through praying for God's will the way that we're doing it right now. And is there a different approach? So as we continue this conversation together, I would just ask us to keep two things in mind as we read Paul's words. What does prayer look like in Paul's life? These are just like side notes. Like when I read the Bible and I'm just like, hey, I'm just going to think about this. Like if I'm going to read Paul's words, I'm just going to kind of... Uh, observe, you know, what does this look like for him? And I'm just going to like make little side notes. What does it look like in Paul's life? And what does prayer, what does Paul connect such an important word, praying God's will to? So as we read, as we look together, let's keep these questions in mind because I think that will help us continue to unpack this new approach that Paul's going to give us to praying God's will for our thises and for our thems. All right, let's do this. We're going to jump in. Chapter 1 in Colossians, verses 3 through 8, where Paul starts off. We always thank God. The that, that's another way to say, hey, we are always praying. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints because of, keyword, the hope reserved for you 
in heaven. So something about believing in Jesus is bringing about this new hope in these people. And Paul is hearing about it and thanking God for it. This is key. We'll continue to talk about this. But something about faith in Jesus is changing people's lives. Paul continues to write, you have already heard about this hope. Again, if you ever see a word repeated in the Bible, highlight it like I've done here. We've got hope reserved for you in heaven. The very next verse, you have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. So there's something about this word of truth, this gospel, this message that brings new hope because of who this message is about, Jesus, and what he has done for us, what he wants to do in us, and now what he wants to do through us. There's something about this, God, this message that is bringing change. When he says bearing fruit and growing, that means people are hearing this and their lives are changing. New things are sprouting up out of their lives and out of their heart. New desires, like new fruit growing. And when people are hearing this all over the world and they're experiencing God's grace in a powerful new way. So he continues, you learn this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And he has told us about your love in the spirit. Remember those two questions? I would just point out two things right here that we just learned from Paul about prayer. Praying for the church was a consistent part of Paul's life. Praying for the church. And the church sharing this news, this gospel, this message about Jesus, that this was on the forefront of Paul's prayers. Like it had priority in Paul's prayers. I think that that's something impactful, something to take away from, from this first part of Colossians. And it was the mission of God that was inspiring Paul's prayer for the church. It was this mission that people were hearing this message about Jesus and it was giving them new hope and their lives were being changed. They were responding and not only in one town, but all over the world. And because this was happening, it increased Paul's prayer life and his prayer life for the church. It inspired him. So that's just important to see. Remember that question we asked, what does prayer look like in Paul's life? Well, it looks like it was a big part of his life. And it had a lot to do with praying about the mission of God happening. This message going forth and people hearing it and responding to it. And those are just a couple of things we can see already from Paul's writing. And so now we're going to take a step further into this chapter and see our prayer that we've already talked about a little bit together. Let, let's continue to read. For this reason also, since the day we have heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. What a phrase. Again, what did prayer look like in Paul's life? A, a, a synonym here, like constant, consistent, regular, a habit, a priority, passion. We haven't stopped praying for you. Here we go. We are asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his, God's will, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
Now there's our prayer. So beautifully modeled for us. Like how do you pray about God's will in your life? We're right here. It's real simple. God, fill me with the knowledge of your will. And that's what we want. That's what we're praying about maybe tonight. But notice Paul does not stop there and neither can we. And let's see how Paul continues to talk about praying God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I'm going, to hi- I'm going to continue to look at this verse and continue to highlight new things for us to focus on because these two words right here are so important. He prays that they would know God's will so that or for this reason or for a purpose I'm not just praying that you would know God's will and then walk away. I'm praying that you would know God's will. And then I'm attaching something to that prayer. There's a reason I'm praying this prayer for you. And that's so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Do you see what Paul connects his prayer for God's will with here? Let's unpack it together. Paul prays we would know God's will so that or for a specific reason and for a purpose so that we can live our lives for God. Paul connects those two things. I'm praying this for you so that your life would be different, so that you would live your life for a new specific purpose. And it's bigger maybe than this, just the this or the them that you are, are walked in with. It's, it's bigger than that. It's not just about knowing the specific uh, like answer and guidance for that specific thing going on in your life. It's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. And if we're not careful, we can miss it. Paul connects praying for God's will with living your life for God. He connects them. They go together. He connect, and, and they can't be separated. So when we're seeking God's will for our lives, we can ask the question, are we living our lives for God? Because according to Paul, those two things, when separated, don't work and they fall apart. And they limit our ability to understand God's will. And that's why a Dropbox view of prayer makes it hard to understand God's will. Because we end up compartmentalizing God. We end up, like we do with other things in our life, kind of, all right, quick. Bam, 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 bam. All right, stay over there. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it now. And there's not a connection between our desire to see God's will and our desire to live for God. And Paul is teaching us and showing us through this scripture, those two things cannot be compartmentalized. They've got to stay together. They work together. They're one and the same, the same side of the coin. And and we can unpack this a little bit further, compartmentalizing God can cause us to miss God's will. And this is God's will that Paul shows us, which is to work in every area of our lives. In every area. When I, get, when I fall back into this view of prayer and my relationship with God, 
I'm kind of just focused on specific areas and specific answers and specific things and things that I want and things that I need. Remember the I's and the me's that are kind of so constant in that? And I feel like I miss and compartmentalize. And I don't realize it, but I tend to leave God over there instead of letting him into every area of my life. And, that, and that's what we see. We're going back to that verse. God, Paul prays that we'd be filled with the knowledge of his will so that we could walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And that idea of walking, that, that's a picture of living your life for God that's all throughout the Bible. And it's, it's as if, you know, you living for God is a daily decision filled with daily choices that you make. It's almost like it's a path that you stay on. Your choices keep you in this place, almost like it's a path of obedience, and you walk down it. So in your relationships, in your marriage, you make choices that, that help you stay here. In your job, at your school, it's like this walk. And there's a shift that happens when you live your life that way from, hey, me focus what I want to God take the steering wheel. Lord, you have control. Pleasing to him. I want to surrender my will and say, Lord, whatever pleases you in this, I want to live my life like that. So, Lord, you show me how to make this decision. Lord, I, I'm going to live my life and direct my life according to your ways to please you, to walk worthy of you so that there's change that I bear fruit in every good work. Not in just a specific area and then leave you to the side and don't open up these other areas of my life. Lord, every area I'm giving you control. I'm letting you in. My marriage, the way I talk to my kids, the way I talk to my parents, the way I talk to my employees, the way that I talk to my boss, Lord, all of those things, every area, every good work, every situation, every this, every them. Lord, how can I live in this situation to please you? To please you. That's a totally different way to view prayer. That's a totally upside down shift. There's a shift there. And until that shift happens, praying this prayer and living this life for God will continue to stay disconnected and we'll continue to stay tunnel vision, lost, wondering, and asking questions. But when that shift, when that surrender, when, when that control is let go of, and when that life is opened up to, all right, Jesus, I've been doing relationships my way. And it's crashing. Here, teach me a new way. Lord, I've been talking to my spouse, regretful, with bitterness, Lord, teach me a new way. Teach me a new way to please you, not me. God's reward for those who give him the steering wheel in every area of their lives is a better understanding of his will in their lives. That's so upside down. <laughs> 
I'm going to read it again. I'm a repetitive guy. I need to read things like multiple times. God's reward, his blessing for those who give him the steering wheel. That represents control. That represents trust in every area. That represents surrender and openness of their lives is a better understanding of his will in their lives. And Paul got to this point. Pray you know God's will so that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. The result of this type of decision, this type of shift where you lay this down and you surrender and give God control, the result of that, the blessing, the reward of this type of lifestyle choice is a growing knowledge and understanding God and knowing his will in your life and how his will, his teachings apply to your life. But when we're praying for him to show us that, without consciously making these choices and these decisions and these action steps, this is going to be hard and we're going to be, it's going to be really easy for us to miss this because our this and our them can be pretty overwhelming sometimes. So we talked about our approach Paul's talked about a different approach to what's going on in our lives today. Sometimes God uses changing situations, this is in them, <laughs> to bring about something he wants to change in us. He uses them. There's purpose in them. He wants to work through them because sometimes we have views of prayer and of God that are a little off and there needs to be a shift of control and surrender and trust where we let him lead and we give him the steering wheel and say, hey, you guide me. What pleases you in this? How can I honor you in this? How can I bear fruit in this situation? And that's a shift. And sometimes that takes some thises and thems to wake us up a little bit, to, to ruffle our feathers, to get us to pay attention to something that we may not be seeing. Some control that we may be holding on to, right? What this? A lot of times when we're like that, we are missing him and missing the point of us being in that situation. And so we, we've kind of talked about the steering wheel representing control. What does giving Jesus the steering wheel of your life look like? What a great question. And remember, that, that represents control and surrender and trust. What does that practically look like? Like how can we take that, process that, now walk away from this moment together and put some things into play, put some things into action, make decisions that help us do approach God the way that Paul's trying to teach us to approach God as we're praying for his will and trying to live for him. What does that look like? Well, here we would say this is what that looks like, that we connect to, we exist to connect people from all walks of life to life in Christ. And life in Christ looks like loving God 
Loving others and living sin. This is a phrase that we say, hey, what does it look like? There's three parts of it. And if these three things are regularly and consistently a part of your life, it will keep you on that path of God's blessing and God's reward. And if these things are combined with praying for God's will and seeking God's will, that will set you up in a really good position to receive God's will in those specific moments where it's harder to see and understand how he's working. And what we mean by love God, we get this from Jesus himself where he says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. Look at all the alls with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That Jesus is a person who wants to be sought. A relationship wants to be followed and trusted, pursued. And that's a step that all of us can take right now. So my question is, how are you positioning yourself to pursue Jesus on a consistent basis? And, and a couple things, these things like help me and keep me focused like on how do I love God in my life right now? Well, church has a big part of that. If I'm weak consistently throughout a month, if every single week and I'm I'm listening to worship. I'm seeking worship with other people, talking about God. If I'm hearing a message preached biblically from the Bible, man, that just helps me see God more in my life. Spending time with God and his word through prayer, devotionals, writing or journaling, listening to worship music. When I took the step of baptism, that was such a beautiful moment because I was saying, Jesus, no longer living to please me. You have control. Now you lead. And show me and teach me how to live my life, how to make decisions in my life, how to live for you, how to be a part of your incredible mission. There was a change. And when these things, when loving God through these practical things are consistent in my life, my ability to be, feel more connected with God is more consistent. When I don't have something like this in my life, makes it really hard to make decisions. It makes me really hard to not get consumed with thises and thems. So I'd ask you, what are you practically doing, consistently doing to position yourself? These are some great steps you could take. Great steps you could take today. We have loving others. And we get this from verses like 1 Thessalonians 5.11 where Paul writes, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. An entire new way to view every single relationship that you have. That you know that person so that God can use you to encourage them and to build them up. There are some practical steps you can take to position yourself to love and serve others on a consistent basis. We have an event called Rockbridge 360 every single month. Its whole purpose and design is to help you know all the different ways that you can be connected and involved at Rockbridge and be a part of what God is doing here through our church and our communities. You can join a ministry team. I'll never forget Golly, nine years ago, I, I was just a member. I was just an attendee, and I was on a prayer team. And I was, it was a ministry team, and we would pray during the services. And I remember while I was praying for a service, somebody said, hey, we need to pray for more Rockbridge kids, four-year-old volunteers. I can handle four-year-olds. I got energy. I can handle them. I got humbled. But over that next year, it was in the middle of me being a part of just 
actively and intentionally loving and serving the church through a ministry team, I learned about a new opportunity and I took that step. And it was in that little four-year-old classroom that I learned to teach. If you can talk to a four-year-old about Jesus, you can talk to anybody. If you want to learn more how to talk about Jesus to people, get involved in RB Kids because it will train you. And it was in those moments leading the small group. They're like, hey, you should lead large groups sometime. You have energy. You go from stage. And I was like, oh, my goodness, God's using this. It was in the middle of doing this that God revealed more of his will to me. It was while I was doing these things, while I was at small group. The best small groups are always the ones that you don't want to go to. I didn't tell my wife I was going to say this, but she gets mad at me. She's like, oh, I'm tired. I'm not sure if I'm going to go to small group. I'm always like, that means you probably should go to small group. It just does. And almost every time she goes, she comes home and goes, don't even say a word. She goes, that was good. I needed that. That was awesome. I got to share what's been going on in my life and that impacted somebody else. And man, they got to pray for me and what they prayed for me is what we've been praying for for me for six months and what I pray for them is something that they've been wondering about all the time that they had been so focused on. And it was when we were in this environment intentionally, consistently, God spoke through others in our lives. Intentional breakfast, lunch. Hey, maybe somebody invited you. Maybe somebody encouraged you to come to church. Maybe it was like getting breakfast with them. Once a week, getting lunch together, having a phone call once a month, just checking on each other. Hey, how can I pray for you? What, what's going on in your life? What's your this and your them right now? How can I encourage you and build you up so that you don't get too focused on it? But stay focused on surrender and trust and letting him have control. And our third one is live sent. And what we mean by this, we get this from the Great Commission. This is Jesus. Uh, this is the whole reason the church exists. This is the whole reason we're here together. Jesus came near and said to his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's why he's worthy to be followed. That's why we sing. He has all authority over every single thing. Put a blank here and fill in your this and your them and everything you've gone through and everything you may go through. He is more powerful than it. Death, life, he rose from the grave, he conquered sin. If you're letting something keep you from God that you think is too powerful for him, look at what he's saying right here. He has all authority. There's nothing that can keep you from him and his love and you experiencing him in your life. All authority means all authority in the Greek. All of it. That's why he's worthy to be followed. So he says, go. He sends them out. Therefore, and make disciples with this good news, with this message of all nations, all people from all over the earth that speak different languages, that come from different backgrounds, who have different skin colors, his will is for us all to be one united in him, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I just ask, how are you positioning yourself intentionally right now to live sent? On a consistent basis, we have this term, build and bring. Build relationships with people and bring them into your life and share this incredible hope that you have about Jesus. Bring them to church. Bring them to family dinners. Bring them to cookouts. Do like my cousin did for me. Invite them to a small group. Invite them to something. Bring them to be a part of what God is doing around you. It's that simple. 
Become a member. Not a member is I want to put my name on a list so that when I die, it'll be on my obituary. A member so that you can be a part of what God is doing and have a part to play. Our hope expressions or our mission trips. Those are all things, steps you can take. And that's going to feel overwhelming. And that's going to feel like a lot. So notice how Paul ends his prayer. That you would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Some of you are thinking about taking a step right now that you haven't maybe ever taken before. Or you're afraid to take because doubt's creeping in right now. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I know enough. I don't know if I'm strong enough. I don't know if I'll be consistent enough or faithful enough. Hey, it's not based on your strength. It's based on his. It's not based on you or what you can do or can't do. It's based on what he can do in his power that you may have endurance and patience, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. And he brings us back to the gospel. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And I'll leave you with this. If I could summarize all this in one phrase. God often reveals his specific will while we are in the middle of loving God, loving others, and living sin. Picture it like a road. If you're consistently loving God, if you're consistently loving others, if you're consistently living sin, and those things are a consistent part of your life, and you're obeying those things and taking steps, action steps in those areas, God will show you his will in the specific things that you are going through. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your words. Thank you so much for your truth. Thank you so much that we're able to be here, no matter where we're at, no matter how we're joining, to seek you and to hear this incredible news about you that you're ready and you're willing to work in our lives and that we can take steps to love you, to love others, and to live sent and pray about those, those dangerous prayers and take those dangerous steps that could change our lives for the better. What a good thing, Lord. And so as we continue to seek you, would you just continue to show your will to us and lead us where you want us to go and what steps you want us to take. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.